Testing one, two. Probably shouldn't start with a test every single time. Every time is a test. Oh. Well, here we go. Cardboard, the original board game podcast. I'm Steve Davis. And I'm Devon Body. This is going to keep happening even if you stop listening. So keep on listening. Alright, thank you everyone who listened to episode one, and apologies to anyone who listened to episode zero. Yeah, that audio was pretty bad. But you know what? We actually do have a special guest with us here today. It's my sweater from episode zero. Say hi, sweater. <laughs> oh man oh sorry to hear that well you take care sweater bye sweater now back to business we just wanted to jump in here and cover a couple things we're making some slight changes to the podcast no one likes listening to rules all we talk about is rules uh, and we want this to be a podcast that you can enjoy, laugh at, and maybe come out a little bit more informed about board games. And listen to again and again. Anyway, if you were cardboard to death like we were, have no fear. We actually hired funny people to write our content for us. Except they wanted money. So we had to fire them. <laughs> maybe we'll get lucky and end up funny on our own. So keep listening and tell us what you think on all of our social media. All of them. We'll be checking. So visit us on our website, cardboardpodcast.games. And our Facebook group, at Cardboard Podcast. And follow us on Instagram, at Cardboard Podcast. And we're on Twitter. No, 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 because we're not 14 yet. Oh, that's not fixed yet? I have a feeling they're just going to avoid us for about 14 years. Oh, well, we're available on Google Play. And Spotify in a couple months. Not yet on iTunes. But iPhone users, you can subscribe using RSS feed. Go into your podcast library, click edit, click add by URL, and type in our RSS feed, and bingo! Our RSS URL can be found on our website. And remember to please tell your friends and family about us. That's it for us. Enjoy the episode! Welcome, everybody, to episode two of... Cardboard. The board game podcast. And this week we are covering... Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. My name is Steve Davis. And I'm Devon Body. Yes, and uh, we are your moderators, your podcasters, your... Uh, your hosts, your guides, yeah. those people talking to you. Your guides. I like guides. We are your guide to gaming. Gaming guides. Oh. No, we're not changing the Episode the 3 <laughs> of Game Guides, the board game podcast. We already made t-shirts. We, oh, yeah, we didn't make t-shirts. printing. Oh. Yeah. Well, if you're going to make up a joke, make sure I don't believe it. Because... We could. Yeah. Start merchandise now. Yes. Uh, so, have you noticed, we are recording once again in a car. Because cars are great. Cars are great. 
They're... Like studios on wheels. Oh, yeah, I was going to say mobile studios is what I was just about to say. Um, yeah, so uh, it's really windy today. So that's why I think there's a lot more uh, ambient sound that comes in and out. Unless you don't hear anything, then it's you know not windy. So this week we're going to be talking about Ticket to Ride, um, another extremely popular board game. The board game with trains. Yeah, it's a train-based board game where the goal is to win, like most board games. <laughs> the goal is to win, and you do that by creating a long line of trains. Or several short lines of Tra trains. Several short lines. It all depends on how many and in what quality. And where they go. And where they go, yeah. So let's jump into our first segment. History. All right, in this segment of history slash statistics, we'll talk about the creator, Alan R. Moon. He first published this game in 2004 by Days of Wonder. Days of Wonder actually did the publishing. He created the game. Moon, Alan R. Moon, was born in Southampton, England in 1951, uh, but he lives in the U.S. And he published Ticket to Ride at age 53, yet another even better story not even well even i guess better. most people publish board games when they're older maybe that's maybe that's it maybe, maybe that's the rule okay we're, we've only uh, researched two guys <laughs> but so far yeah they're both over 40 this guy's game. over 50 yeah but yeah i just love those kind of stories uh not his first game definitely his most popular i would say so yes but he did it was the actual second time he won the uh, Spiel des Jarrets Award. That's a German award for Game of the Year. I apologize to anyone listening who knows German. And and you just butchered their language? I absolutely butchered their beautiful language. Uh, but think of that award, the German uh, Game of the Year Award. That's the... Um, Best Picture Oscar Award. Like, that is the award that... The biggest award for the Oscars. This is the biggest award for board games. All right, so... This is something that is very popular worldwide. It's made it all the way over here to North America. And talking about worldwide, it is printed in English, French, German, Spanish, Italian, Icelandic, Dutch, Finnish, Polish, Danish, Czech... Swedish, Hungarian, Norwegian, Korean, Japanese, Portuguese, Russian, and Greek. Now, from what I have experienced playing this game, there's not actually many words. No. So it's just the words start in so many different languages. And... Yeah, well, it's the rules, right? Right. But, like... But you barely need language to play this game at all. No, uh, I was looking on GameGeek which put the uh, learn to play time, I think was under 15 minutes. Yeah. Which is... It's pick up a card, play a card. On your next turn. No, that is a different <laughs> game. That's called Flux. and that, <laughs> That's a different game, which we will cover another time. Draw a card, play a card. Okay, a little bit more on the history. Um, uh, Moon actually worked for Parker Brothers, which is kind of cool background. He's actually had... And actually other companies as well. So he had uh, a lot of history with working with game companies. Uh, then he started his own company in 1990 called White Wind. Uh, it lasted till 97. Then in 2000, he went freelance. And that's when he came up with uh, Ticket to Ride. 
and published it through company uh, through Days of Wonder, and he also publishes under other companies as well. All right, so Days of Wonder only publishes one board game per year, which is nuts. Which is crazy because most companies will actually publish, you know, nine or ten around just to yeah. give themselves a chance in case one of them flops. Maybe you don't have to worry about it because your n- nine other ones did well. Well, it makes sense as a as a um, business plan to put out more products to reach more people. Right, and as a strategy game, it's actually considered to be a hit once you sell about ten thousand units. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, Ticket to Ride has sold well over seven hundred and fifty thousand units. Well, actually, they sold well over 750,000 units in their first four years. Yeah, so that's just... That was as yeah, so of... Yeah, so as of August 2008, they sold 750,000 units. Yeah. And then by October 2014, they sold over 3 million units. So this is definitely a hit. And I think what's crazy, too, is in... Um, I'm not sure what the date, but in 2013, they had actually sold around the $2 million units mark. Uh, $2 million units. <laughs> they had actually sold uh, about 2 million units. So from 2013 to 2014, in a one to two year period, they sold a third of what was their total unit sales. That's a lot of printed cardboard. Yeah, and that's like uh, generating, that generated over $150 million in sales, retail sales. So huge successful game uh to get to ride and there was actually uh, an article i was reading and i apologize i don't remember uh what it was but it i completely forgot what i was about to say yeah it happens when you get old <laughs> i'm gonna edit that out man <laughs> uh there's gonna be a hard but, cut in the, um... that really does explain though just how many like uh, how many expansions they've made for this game when you bring in that much money it makes sense to diversify and release the same game but with a different coat of paint on it and and they did a lot of that there are, I, I didn't even bother to to print up a list or get a list of them because there's just so many um many of which them, are double-sided yeah call them expansions or spin-offs or whatever i've seen them called a few things but uh, so the original was the original ticket to ride was North America. You're building trains across North and America and Southern Canada, and Southern Canada. Yes, I said North America. Did you? I'm assuming <laughs> I did. Clearly, I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, neither was I, because I can't even tell you if I said that. Um, but yeah, so they yeah, you're right. They did America and Southern Canada, but the new ones like you're talking about uh, added Europe and Asia, a lot of different places. And ancient places as well. So yeah, they had, they had a myth- Asian, Asia, classic Europe. Yeah, they even had like a mythological Asia uh, on the other side of the Asia board. Yeah. Which was a cool twist. Uh, and just another little stat here is that they came out with an iPad app early on. And it sold 100,000 units in the first six months, which is huge. But then they brought it out for iPhone, and it sold 100,000 units in the first 30 days. Which which is is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. 
so that was like it sold 40 times faster than the board game did as the iPhone app. So that's just, it's absolutely... It makes sense. It's a game that would lend itself very well to being on an app. Yeah, yeah. A uh, German-style board game, or they call this type of board game, where you're, it's, there's a indirect player interaction, they call it. And much less chance. And like a medium style of chance. In this game, the chance is all through the card draws. Rather than uh, um, rolling the dice, you're drawing cards and you don't know what you're going to get. So that's why uh, in many of our games, at least one or two people end up having a stack of like 30 cards. That's how you got to play sometimes. And sometimes you just have to collect those cards. And the funny thing is, there'll be one color card you're trying to get. And everyone and, else draws it. And you're well, you're <laughs> getting all these other cards. But then once you finally get that color of card, you'll you'll go through that entire giant hand of yours in like four turns. You'll just like all of a sudden, oh okay, all my cards are gone now. Just always waiting on that one catalyst and once you get it then It's a solid way to play. It actually is. Uh, as long as someone doesn't block your route. Uh yeah, so that's just a bit of the history that we have. For Ticket to Ride. Any? Do you have any other things you want to talk about? No, I think we about covered it. I think we did. All right, so we'll see you on the other side when we break down how to play this game. Rules. And welcome to the how to play section of our podcast. This is where things get messy. Yes, because I'm immediately going to go on to a tangent for something that should have been in the last uh, segment. But I just wanted to say, Board Game Geek said that this game was the epitome of a gateway game. Like a gateway drug, right? That's the term I've been using. I was I talked about in our last podcast about Settlers of Catan. And then I go in, start reading about Ticket to Ride and... Board Game Geek, which is a big resource for games and reviews of games, they have that term, a gateway game, for breaking into these more detailed, more in-depth, more strategically based games. Well, I guess it would be a little bit more approachable than Catan was, actually. I Yeah, I think it is more... I think that might be why it's getting more popular, because it's a lot simpler. We, you pointed out before to me that uh, Game Geek actually put the learning time to like under 15 minutes. Yeah, I could see how that could happen. I mean, even if you take the 15 minutes, you probably learn it in five. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, very, very simple to learn. All right, um, so let's tell them how to play. Tell them how to play. All right, so in Ticket to Ride, the goal is to be the person who collects the most points. Yes, it's a point-based system, and the cool thing about it is it comes with these nice little wooden markers for each color, and the the scoreboard is actually going around the exterior of the map. It's like a border with and, 1 through 100 listed around yep, there. Yep, and every time you gain a point in the game, you move your marker that many points, so it's easy to tell who's in the lead and who's lagging behind. Or you could do it the way that... Every person I've ever played it with does it where we will keep up with those scores for about three turns. And then immediately forget to add... Remember if you added the last set of points that you earned. And the first time you forget if you added it, 
no one does it anymore. Yeah. Usually this, it's very, we, I think usually every time, I think we'll just get around the first corner and then we forget and then just makes ending the game a lot longer. That it does. Yeah. But it is useful for those early turns at least. And then also on the board, out inside of the border describing the points, you have the map that you're currently on. So for the uh, original game, that would be... North America? Yeah, North which America, is... which is basically all of the U.S. and a bit of southern Canada. Yes. They did not include Mexico. Not very much. I'm actually... I can't remember if it's even pictured no. on the board it's... or if it's just ocean. I think it's like this gray mass. Okay. Light gray mass that's south of Texas. Yeah. I guess trains don't go there. That's actually a good point. I don't think there are actually train routes going across into Mexico. I couldn't possibly even say that. I have no idea. All right. Someone let us know. Let us know uh, in the comments. How many trains go from the U.S. to Mexico daily? Yeah. Is there even a train line that goes into Mexico? I would assume so. Well, I mean, Trump is going to close that off with his wall. Now that we've gone political... <laughs> yeah, all right. Welcome to uh, Cardboard, the political podcast. So to play this game is very simple. Let's start with setup. Oh, sure. So you Which, take the game out of the box. That's basically it. how most board games start. Though I find taking it out piece by piece rather than trying to take the entire game out of the box, it's a little bit difficult. So take it out piece by piece. Right. Well, if you do dump out the whole box in this one, you're going to spend the next 20 minutes sorting out colors. Unless you're like me, where I make sure everything is in a little Ziploc bag. Oh, then dumping it out is much more effective. It is. Uh, and if the game does not come with Ziploc bags, I just buy Ziploc bags and I use them. Or when we're at the cottage, I just take the Ziploc bags that are not mine. And that's what I did with... Um, and make them yours. Munchkin Quest. They, they became mine through stealing. Quick apology to uh, the Culps. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> I borrowed... Man, actually, there were so many pieces in that game. I think we borrowed like eight or ten Ziploc bags. So didn't even put food in them. We No. There's cardboard in them. Still in them to this day. Yeah, so sorry. Uh, so yeah, the setup is almost nothing. Yep. You open the board up. Uh, give each player the color that they want. There's five colors. Um, put that on the start, which is zero in this case. Yeah, put all your, your little no, wooden... No, it's one, actually. No, this it's keeps zero. keeps coming up. No, we always start on the one. There is no zero. Yeah, there's no zero. That's right. We start on the one. Even though it doesn't make any sense. It's like, you start on the one, so when you get two points, you have three points. Yep. And I don't like it. So that's one of our house rules. Let's start on <laughs> we zero. start on zero. That's, <laughs> we we kind of do that. Because it just doesn't make sense to start on one. So you get a point for playing. <laughs> it's a participation point. Yeah, participation point. If you end the game with one like point, you, you didn't play. All right, so now into a typical game. Okay. All right, so you decide who goes first. Usually we use rock, paper, scissors. But the official rules say the person who is, I think, the most traveled... So, or, uh, and then they leave that kind of open to inter interpretation, I think. Which is good. You don't have to prove yeah. it. 
It's like, well, I commute 60 kilometers one way every day. I'm the most traveled. Well, I've been to Europe. I'm the most traveled. I've been to Europe. Well, I've been there twice. Well, then, <laughs> yes, you're probably the most traveled. <laughs> Have you been to Europe twice? No, I've only been there once. Yeah, exactly. Where'd you go? England? Uh, it was a quick whirlwind tour. That's Whirlwind tours are the best. Yep. I went to the German airport. Oh, that was awesome. nice. Yeah. A little bit of a layover. I went to the German airport. I can't remember which one. That was back in high school. Germany has such a nice airport. It was really nice, actually. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, (laughs) Then it was over to Paris, France. And then an afternoon in Monaco. And then a few days in Spain. In Madrid. That's really nice. I spent... Do it again. Eight days in Italy. It was a bit of an, a whirlwind Italy right. tour as well. Well, like, Italy can be like a whole trip. Well, no, that's when that's what it is. But it was like every so we were in Rome for like two days, and after that, it was just like we get on a train, go somewhere for a day, and then get on a train and go. So that was it was really nice. Um, Europe is the land I, of trains. I love traveling. And not just like going somewhere. I mean, I love the actual act, act of traveling. <laughs> so packing everything up, huffing everything around, getting on a train and sitting down and going on a train. That was the best part of the trip. Watching the countryside go by. Oh my goodness, watching the mountains go by. It was absolutely incredible. Um, except that one time when the lady sitting across from me did not want the shades open at all. So I didn't get to see anything on that part of the trip. But no, it was awesome. It was such an awesome trip. I think my favorite part was seeing Pompeii. That was so cool. We only had a couple hours. That was the tough part. But seeing Pompeii and the the stuff that they've uncovered was just, uh, it was incredible. Now, back to the setup. So at the start of the game, you get four train cards and three tickets. We'll cover what train cards are in a bit. But what's a ticket? A ticket is, well, it's the destination that you want your trains to travel. Well, it's so, like the whole route from start to finish, right? Yeah, so it's one city to another city. Yeah, so it gives you two cities on the card. So, for instance, Los Angeles to New York. Which is one of the longer routes. Which is one of the longer routes, obviously. That's northeast corner to southwest corner of the United States. So, obviously, it'll be worth more points. Yes. And... And it takes longer to make. Yes, it does. And you get the freedom to make it however you'd like. Even though it tells you you have to connect these two cities, you can go north, you can go south, you can go straight across. Yeah, you can go a straight diagonal, you can cut across the north and go straight down. As long as you connect those two cities, you've completed that route. Exactly, in any way, as long as it's your uh, train routes. And as soon as you complete the route, you earn those points. No. Well, (laughs) as soon as you complete that route, you don't have to worry about it anymore, but the rules do say not to reveal it. Yes, you reveal at the end of the game. At the end of the game, so... But you you mm-hmm. stop, you essentially earn it. But, Just, yes, You yeah, don't yeah, tell yeah. the other you, players. Yeah, but I think that keeps that tension up because no one knows uh, how many points each other has. So it, it, it's, a, it's actually a very high-stress game, guys. It really is. It can be. Yeah, it can you be. You can be sweating bullets. Um, or cool as a cucumber. Yes. Well, that, the first game... Well, you know what? We'll get to our first game... In another segment. Excuse me for getting ahead of myself. Uh, All right. And what happens 
Oh, you after to, that. So you have to keep at least two of those, uh, the tickets, the destination tickets. Those are what you're actually doing in the game, right? So you need to, um, you need to keep at least two of those at the start to give yourself some sort of, uh, well, those are your, um, those are your goals, those are your objectives. And I believe one of them comes from a special pile. Uh, some games have that and some games don't, and I don't ever remember which, but there are, I think, five or six extra long routes, and then there's a giant pile of just regular routes, so, like, uh, New York to LA would be a really long route that'd be worth at least 20 points, um, and so, in some setups of some of the Ticket to Ride games, um, everyone gets dealt one of those, and then two of the regular, the regular cards, ones. and that way you have, uh, you know, you're getting at least one very uh, valuable card, uh, and then two other ones that are just random. Which helps balancing it. And it helps with balancing, just to make sure one person doesn't get like three of the super long ones that happen to be going in the same direction. So which have, could pay off. Which would could be amazing, <laughs> um, and we'll talk about. Or it can put you in the negatives. Exactly. But we'll talk more about that once we get into strategies. So we've set, we have our four cards, we have our destination tickets. And our, a pile of trains. And a big pile of trains. I think it's like 45 trains or something like that. I don't remember. It is 45 card train pieces. What happens next? All right. So on each player's turn, they're allowed to take one action. So what they can do is... They can draw two train cards from the face-down pile, or they can pick two train cards from the face-up pile. Yes. So one thing, we always forget something in some segment. So in the setup, um, after you're done dealing out the different cards to everybody, the train cards, which again we're about to get to, uh, go in a big face-down pile, but then five cards are placed face-up. Uh, and those will be replenished as people take from them. And then those ticket cards that you dealt out to everyone to choose then go in another pile to be drawn from later on. Yep, and then you can also draw one face-up card and one face-down card, or one face-down card and then one face-up card. Yeah, so you can do any combination of two cards. Except when there's a locomotive involved. So there is a locomotive card and we'll... If a locomotive card is face up, you can only take the one locomotive card. And a locomotive card uh, in, in the regular version is a wild card. It can count as any color. So by drawing it face up, obviously it's worth a lot more. You, uh, you only get to draw one. But if you draw a face down card and it happens to be a locomotive... No one knows that but you, and you are allowed to draw a second card as per the normal rule. Which proves quite valuable in most games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. when you can add on an extra color to whatever one you want, sometimes that's the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, and that's and I've done full train routes made up entirely of locomotives. doesn't always happen, but... Uh, sometimes you get lucky. And that's the jackpot when you draw two face-down cards and they're both locomotives. Happens rarely, but it's such a cool thing. Yeah. And then there's a couple more options for that single action on your turn. Yes, yeah, so you have one action you can do on your turn. So right now, the first option is drawing two cards. What's the next one? All right. You can also draw additional routes. So those so, destination ticket cards. Yeah, so you can pick 
three destinations and once you pick them up you do have to keep one of them so i can keep a minimum of one destination ticket card after looking at three okay so now i have two options you said there's a third yep there's one more which is playing the cards you've collected ah uh, yes so on the map there are obviously a series of cities. I say obviously, it's not obvious to everyone. Seeing as um, this is an audio podcast. This is an audio podcast. <laughs> like most uh, podcasts. Uh, that we like to target towards people who are new to some of these types of strategy games. So it may not be obvious. Um, yeah, so it covers North America, which includes all of America and a little sliver of Canada. Uh, sorry, Saskatoon. You didn't make the cut. Um... And then it has a lot of the major cities in those two countries on the map. And then it has various train lines running from each city to other to another city. And these can range from one section all the way up to, I think in this game, six sections. Yes. And those and... all come in various different colors, which match the colors on the train cards. Yeah. Which are eight colors? Yep. So they come in black, white... Red, green, blue, yellow, orange, uh, a purple or pink card. It depends on who you ask. Wikipedia called it purple. I it see it as pink. It looks pink. Like, <laughs> come on. And then the gold locomotive card. Which doesn't show up on the board because you can use it in addition to any other one color. Yeah, so it is a wild card, so it acts as any of the cards. Any of the colors, sorry. But is there any gold on that card, at least in our version? I've never seen gold well, on it. The locomotive itself is kind of gold. I don't believe that for a second. You'd have to look at the picture. Yeah, I, I would. I, I don't have the golden. game in front of me. <laughs> I thought about bringing it with me today. Then I said, no way am I opening up that game with all the little cards. Just need the board. Yeah, true. But I also forgot. I didn't actually make the decision not to bring it. I forgot it. Makes sense. Oh, there's also uh, roots that are gray. And those can be made with any color train. You don't have to get a specific any one. Any single color. Any single color, right? So if you had six red trains on there, you have to play six red train cards. But if you had six gray, you could also make that with the six red train cards. You can't make it with, like, three blue and three red. You'd have to make it with six red or any combination of red and wild cards. Yes. And that pretty much covers it for what you can do on your turn. Yes, now that's the three things you can do on your turn. One of three things. You can only choose one each turn, but that's what you can do. Yep. And, oh, one more thing. You are you can't take up two routes going from the same cities. So some cities actually have uh, twin uh, routes. So they actually have two lines next to each other. Uh, I think that's to represent busier routes so a lot of the northeastern section between you know new york to boston to montreal to toronto yeah almost actually toronto's all... toronto's not even on the map <laughs> biggest no. biggest city in canada didn't make it on the didn't make the cut <laughs> wasn't the biggest back then I yeah guess. <laughs> i guess not right that's fine wow it's like 20 degrees outside and the, we're still fogging up the windows in the back makes sense funny sunlight yeah so a lot of those will actually have two lines that can be placed so you know devon could set one of his pieces down get a route there but if i needed it there's still another one there that i could place and we both are now doing the montreal to new york route 
Yes. Yeah. So there's uh, just so that you don't get completely boxed in. Because uh, yeah, especially in that northeastern, it's a lot more of a denser area, um, which is based around real geography. So if they didn't have those double sections, if any two people had a route in that north part, it could very easily get could very easily get cut off, and then. Yeah, and then you're stuck with all your destination gardens. Exactly. Yeah, then you're stuck losing a lot of points, and we'll cover losing points uh, in a little bit. All right, so after you're done taking your one action, the next player goes, and they also get one action. Yeah, it just does the same thing all the way around the table. And you um, might ask, when does the game end? The game ends when one person... Sorry, I'm making a lot of noise. Uh, the game ends when one person gets down to two, one, or zero train tokens left. And then everyone else gets one more action. Yeah, so if I place a, a, a train down on the board, and now I have two trains left, that means everyone else gets one more turn after this one, including me, so I still get one more turn as well. Uh, and then the game ends on my next turn. Uh, and that's how the game ends, and then points are tallied after that. Yep, so you would earn points based on the trains that you put down. Usually the more trains you can put down at a time, the bigger the amount of rewards you get from the points. It's kind of exponential, too. So one train gets you one point. Two trains gets you two points. Three trains gets you four, four points. points. Four trains gets you seven points. Five trains gets you ten, ten points. And six trains get you 15 points. Yep. So obviously the six trains are the... Are there six train ones? Yes, there are. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, so obviously the six train uh, routes are the ones that are most valuable because you get more points for what you're placing. But they also might not be necessary for your selected root cards. And they might, and obviously they take a lot longer to gather six cards of one color when you're drawing from a deck that has eight colors in it. Yeah. Right? So that can be uh, very difficult. So after you've tallied up all the points you've earned from placing your trains, that's when you would reveal your destination cards. Yes, at the end of the game, uh, once that last turn goes, you can now reveal those card, the tickets you had in your hand, showing you how many points you actually get at the end of the game. So whenever you've actually completed one of those, you would earn that many points. But what happens if I didn't complete it? Well, that's where your greed might have been a little bit too much than, than you could handle. Oh boy. And every single point that you didn't earn gets subtracted from your score. Yeah, that's the tough one, which is why you may not want you know, three of the 20-point tracks, because if you are Especially aren't... if they're going in different directions. Yeah, exactly. So if you aren't able to complete one, uh, yeah, you lose. Um, you lose those points. You don't just lose. Uh, you lose those points. So that is why uh, selecting your route uh, or of those three cards you get at the start that you have to select from, that's a very important step. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the strategies we use when selecting uh, routes in our next segment. All right, and then after everyone has added and subtracted the points that they've earned or lost, whoever has the greatest total of points wins the game. That's it. Uh, and that's why it helps a lot if you 
um, are able to keep track while you're playing the points you earn for placing a train because when you place the train you get you know I placed a five train I get ten points that's why you it makes it easier if you keep uh, an hop, ongoing tally yeah have that you all everyone has a token there is a board there for adding them up so if you actually just uh, do that during throughout the game it makes it a lot easier but it's uh we i don't think we've ever done a full game where we actually did that no usually we wait until the last turn and then take about 20 minutes adding and subtracting everything yeah exactly because you can still see we don't take anything as soon as the game's done we don't touch the board and you can see all the different routes that you place so based on that equation i mentioned earlier you can add up all your points by going through the, the board and usually yeah it we, takes us two or three times counting it to make sure it's correct and then you add up or subtract any of the uh the tickets you completed or and did if you not do start on the one make sure you add that one point as well yeah exactly because that's the one that may always get you because uh, we have had some games that were within a couple points before usually it's like i have 102 points i have 108 points I have 156 points. Like right, usually, I think we know who won. Yeah, usually the gap is pretty big by the end of the game. But yeah, it's uh, such a solid game. Uh, yeah. Very approachable. Fun colors. It sounds much more complicated when we talk it out. Because talking out the rules is not the best thing. It's why sometimes when we're learning new games, it takes us a long while to learn it. Because one person starts reading it. The other person's just spending their time stacking their trains. Yeah, because they can't, they, it's so hard to listen to someone read it and then we pass the instructions around. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I cannot get a game down based on someone reading it to me. I can't. That's why you usually. I can. Yeah, and I know you can. You can listen to me read the rules and understand the game. I I find that so hard unless I've got already a grasp of some of the cool core rules. I can't for a fresh game. I can't just listen to you read it to me. That's why I usually do the reading because you can you can get it. Yep. No or maybe it's just a comment on how our how uh, our different our reading skills are. Yep. Mine I, are much better. I no no <laughs> my reading skills are much better because you can understand. I can't understand it from what you read to me. Uh, okay. That's it for this segment. Yeah, so join us in a minute or two for our next segment. Or 20 seconds. Depends on how long our intro and outro is. That's honestly what it's based on. Hopefully we get back a rock ballad. So we'll uh, join us again in six minutes when we get into strategies. Strategies. All right, so on to strategies. Now we're talking about strategies. Um, so this so is winning the game is getting the most points. How do you get the most points? Yeah, exactly. This is what's called a strategy game, right? So obviously, there's going to be a lot of strategy involved. Um, the first strategy that I employ when playing this game is right from the start when you are choosing your routes. I, I think many, I'm sure you use the same, is that if I'm looking at this, you know, Montreal to LA, but then there's another one that says Montreal to, um, hmm, give me another 
Colorado. I don't even know. I don't think that's one of the cities. No, that's a state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what if there's like Montreal to? Because we should have a board. Denver, in front of us. right? Um, which I, is not a city in the game, I don't think, but who knows? Um, Something in that general. Area. It's a city. So if if I pick up two cards, or if two of the three cards I have is one is Montreal to Montreal to L.A. and one's New York to Denver, and then the other one is Montreal to Florida or Miami. If you have two that are going in the general direction, obviously that's easy. But then you can also start with that Montreal route, come south. And even if you don't go all the way south to continue over to L.A., you can branch one off down to Miami while continuing on to L.A. And so now half of that Montreal to Miami route is also being utilized for your Montreal to uh, L.A. route. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for when I'm selecting either my startup tracks or if I choose to get some more later on in the game. Right. Which works because I guess it also puts you in the, run the running for longest train, the, which yeah, we also didn't go over. But There is a bonus for having the longest continuous train, not just the most pieces placed, so any branches off of the longest line would not count. And apparently circles don't count as infinite. <laughs> uh, you I, Was it you who tried that or our buddy? I try going in a circle and it's like no that's not infinite just pick a start point <laughs> and that's where it ends it's infinite it's <laughs> just a Mobius train going. it's a snake eating its own tail it's forever <laughs> but yeah that's also come into play when I've selected new routes sometimes because you know you might not need all your pieces to complete uh, the routes you get at the start so that's why you have the option to pick up some more tickets Sometimes you'll get there, and if it's been a particularly long route that you had from the start, you might actually pick up a card that's already completed or needs only one track. That's a given. Just take that card. Set Every that. time. Yeah, it's free point. It's essentially free points sometimes. If you have to put down one or two tracks or or none in rare but somewhat common I've had cases. that happen several times. Yeah. It's, uh, especially in the Ticket to Ride Europe, which we're not yeah. covering. Towards the end of the game, it's always a risk to pick up more cards. But more often than not, you can get one of those three cards to work out in your favor. You're drawing three cards. The first thing I always look at is, okay, how many train pieces do I have? Because once your train pieces are out, as you know now, the game ends. So how many train pieces do I have? Do I have enough to complete this route? And how many train pieces do, the, do my opponents have? Are they going to complete routes before me? And it's also look or could at they the... play a six route and then end the game two turns before I would be ready. Yeah, exactly. Look at the number of cards they have, because if they have you know a giant mass of cards, it they're about you, to lay some track. There, you're you know they're they've got probably a few that they're ready to play or that they're going to be playing soon. So you may not want to. You know, waste any time too many cards because remember you can also get points for just putting down tracks so even if you complete if you complete your routes uh, maybe even some other routes but you still have more pieces you could just start putting down some of the big routes rather than work towards it. I mean it makes more sense to work towards a goal but if it's in that point where you we already met your goal you've already met your goals but it seems like there may not be enough time if you if you don't get one of those super nice I already have it completed routes 
you do have the option just to start laying down tracks. Or, as I did in our very first game, you could block other players. It's a bit of a dirty thing, but it's a strategy. And uh, it's quite simple to do. Usually you do need another player to work with you to completely block the person out. Otherwise, it'll usually be resolved with just a workaround where they just have to put five or six more trains than they would have had to before. Yeah, and so it's not... Yeah, there's very rare cases that you're going to completely block someone. Like, when I blocked you, I didn't actually completely block you, but I stopped you from putting down one track and forced you to have to build... It was at least five to eight different tracks, which actually stopped you from completing the, the track. So you can block somebody on those easy routes and force them to have to go around, and you can even block them on those. Again... You, you may lose friends on this. <laughs> but well, if it, when you employ this strategy, because it is a, it's a genuine strategy. Which also brings us to make sure the other players don't know specifically where you need to go. Yeah, that is... I'd say it's less of a strategy and more of a, just a rule of the game. But yeah, don't, don't reveal where you're trying to get to. Which is not just don't say it and don't show it. It can also be try to mask where you're putting your trains. Exactly. But you also want to grab those crucial ones early, right? Because there are... Especially in games with more players. Yes. So in other games like Ticket to Ride Europe, it's a lot of short tracks. Like there are a lot of threes. But in regular version US, which we're talking now, North America, a lot of the mid to western tracks are all four or five yeah they're all much longer right and so if you miss one of those and you have to go around building multiple four or five tracks it adds up and you may run the risk of running out of trains before you've reached where you wanted to go or running out of time because it takes time to gain all the cards and if you have other people who are a little bit more set up than you are they can force the end game before you're finished your track and then that's if you're working towards a goal, there's a lot of points that you're going to lose. That is true. And another great strategy is draw two cards when you don't actually need anything on the table specifically. So don't forget that you can draw two cards. That's always important. You don't have to take the five cards that are on. But sometimes it pays off greatly to just say, you know what? I don't need these ones. I'm going to just try to get two locomotives sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't yeah so you're you're talking about when there's five face-up cards and you don't actually need any of those five face-up cards you don't have to force uh, a strategy upon yourself of taking okay well i guess i'll take this black one even though my route doesn't have any black trains on it um or i don't have any black trains in my hand start by drawing one see what it face is face down and see what it is if you draw a card and it's a black card it's like well now it's worthwhile to take that second black card because now I have two, right? That's actually a really good idea. Draw yep. from the face-down pile or first. Or just draw another one from the face-down pile. And turn. sometimes it's worthwhile to take a draw from the face-down pile because I don't know if we talked about it before. Yeah, we did talk about it before where if you pick up a locomotive that's face-up, you only get that one. But if you pick a face-up locomotive card, I should say, but if you picked up a locomotive card as a face-down card, Again, you're the only one who knows that. So you are allowed to pick up another face-down card. You can't pick up, you know, draw one face-down, 
then be like, okay, now I'll draw this face up locomotive. No. If you yeah. already drew one card that wasn't a locomotive, you don't get to make a second as a locomotive. Yeah, which is true. Right. So, but again, it has, in rare cases, happened where you draw two cards and you get two locomotives. Oh, and there's one more rule that we forgot. Of course we did. Which, you know, usually happens as it comes up. That's when we realize we've forgotten a rule. Welcome to our new segment, <laughs> We Forgot to Say Something. Which is something that will happen in probably every episode. We should probably just save a segment for yeah. the end. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> thing we forget. Well, Go on. in this case, what we forgot is when the five displayed cards... Oh, yes. Are mostly locomotives. I believe it's three in this case. Once three locomotives are revealed, you get rid of all five cards. They go into the discard pile, and you draw five new cards. That's right. So it just keeps that the the face up pile fresh and accessible because it's common, but not overwhelmingly common that people take the face-up locomotive card because you only get one but there's a lot of times where it has happened where two cards have been sitting there and as you're drawing cards you say oh i'm gonna take uh this blue one because i need to finish the blue route and then i'm gonna go take the green one over there but when you draw the blue one you have to replace the card immediately yes you and don't once you draw the new card if it happens to be a locomotive there goes that green card you wanted. Exactly. So I think we've played a little bit, in our history, I think we've played a little bit loose with that, where we've been like just grabbing two at the same time, um, which, when you think about it, is officially against the rules, because yes. you need to draw one at a time uh, and then replace that one with uh, the other card uh, from the face-down pile, so that if it is a locomotive... Sorry, you lost that green one. You might get another one come up, but you might not. More often yeah. not. Um, yeah, so those are some good strategies just to consider when playing. Pretty basic strategies, I think. Another great strategy is play where no one else happens to be playing. If you see a long route and everyone is on the left side of the board, play on the right side. I mean, you don't always get the choice because you have your uh, your routes that you chose from the start, your ticket. But it's great for throwing people off. It's great for throwing people off. And you can also choose if if they're both playing on the, you know, the right side of the map going south, going down. You could try going up and over. Um, it might be a lot longer, but you avoid the risk of being cut off. That's You avoid a lot of stress. Yeah. This is actually, for a lot of people, a stressful game. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, what was that term? Causes some heart palpitations. Yeah. Maybe a heart attack risk. I'm going to pull up a thing here. And may or may not end some friendships along the way. Uh, no, the thing I was looking for is... Um, this is actually a quote from Alan R. Moon, the creator of the game. So the tension in the game... Uh, comes from being forced to balance greed, adding more cards to your hand, and fear, losing a critical route to a competitor. Which is such a really accurate description of this game because you're, you're always trying to get those cards so that you have the cards to build whatever route you need, but you're also worried about losing those routes as you draw the cards, right? And then having to put in much, much more work. Yeah, exactly. If you lose that key route, now you have to go all the way around. If you can even make it. If you can make it at all. Um, because, I mean, there's only so many 
routes in and out of a city, especially when you get up to Montreal and there's only, I think, one double route and one single route, right? So if you're playing in a four-player game and three play people need to get to Montreal, one person is getting left out in the cold from Montreal, right? And so uh, those are those are the real stresses they talk about, uh, the tension that's in this game. It's And sometimes it's actually really fun to watch because as much as I'm like, feeling some of that stress like i'm not like freaking out but i watch some people freak out on this game and it's hilarious yeah can be pretty comical you were one of them on that first game yep yeah you were freaking out and you don't show it but no. you were freaking out yep yeah that was cool i was a couple trains away from just finishing all the things in my yeah game, yeah but the two that i had were like the higher amounts was like 24 or 25 so if i somehow couldn't complete those it would just be i lost yeah yeah so it was something that i really really had to finish and just that tension of oh there's three other players before i get to make my next move three other things are going to happen what are those three things going to be can i like minimize how much damage they'll do and get people to play maybe their less risky moves yeah before their riskier moves by playing a less risky move on my part yeah that's uh those are the crazy things it's and sometimes you put down a track and you're just watching people and you're so freaked out on their turns because yeah there's only so many tracks that can be made and people might be going for Maybe not the same place, but another place nearby or another place that's far away, but they had the same route in mind. So you put yours down. If you're getting close to them, they might start to freak out and then put their trains down there to block it, right? Just so that make sure they get their route. And that's this, where the stress is coming from is watching where people are putting those routes. And uh, I, I like to watch people's eyes as I'm playing, see where they're looking on the board just to kind of get... Um, you know, a small idea of, okay, are they going near where I'm going? Is this Does this seem like they're trying to take the same area from me? And that's why I dart my eyes around all over the place. And I wear sunglasses. <laughs> I, I We play this like poker. I'm sunglasses, hoodie up, no expression. It's a good way to play. Yeah. Okay, that was our strategy section. Our recording is going really long, though a lot of it is going to be edited out. But this is another big time game we may just have to yeah. reconsider how long these podcasts are okay we're we'll gonna take your feedback and go longer if we need to go longer yeah we're, we're trying to keep these podcasts. i don't even know if i'm going to keep this segment in well we're we're, we're we're thinking of recording our podcast uh in the 30 to 45 minute range but like they lunch break length yeah but they seem to be sticking around that 40 to 50 minute range based on which is not bad which is not bad. 30 minutes is short. I think that'll be something like Flux. Some um, sort of mini-sode. Exactly. So, yeah, actually, that's that's a great point that Devon made. Uh, please let us know uh, what you prefer in the Facebook group uh, on Twitter. Let us know. Do you like a shorter podcast so you can uh, take it in in a quick moment and, and move on? Do you like a longer podcast so you can hear a beautiful podcast? beautiful voices for even longer talking about nothing essentially exactly so please just let us know and yeah so we're going to move on to our next segment which is 
That other thing we need to talk about. Which is uh, house rules. Custom rules. We are now in the house rules portion of our podcast. Let's break the rules and change the game. Exactly. So this game I find, as this is a great game, but it's not quite as open to some house rules as Catan was. No, this one is fairly balanced between Chance and the other players. So if you change it too much, it stops working. Yeah, exactly. Not to say that, oh, I like Catan more. I can really customize it the way I want. Not at all. Different games are going to be, you know, customizable or variable to different degrees. This one is a little bit more, I don't want to say rigid, but it's a little more set for the way the rules work. So we actually haven't ever played anything with some house rules, aside from little things like we mentioned before, like taking uh, two cards face up without replacing one at a time. Like we've done that. Yeah. And I think and starting I th- at zero instead of starting at and one. And starting at zero instead of one simply for our own <laughs> for our own mental capacity of adding. Because we always forget that one. It'll always be one person remembers that point and like everyone else doesn't. Yeah. And then um, they win by one point. But what we just did now is we actually spitball some uh, some different ways we could play the game. Which we, which... Ha- again, haven't played yet. Have but not been playtested, but they, we think they could work. Yeah, and these will probably be something we try in the future. So the one I thought of uh, last week was the Settlers of Catan-esque Longest Road Rule. The way that one would play is after you place your first two uh, trains, your first two routes, whenever that may be, there isn't a set time when you do that, you can now only place trains that connect to those trains. Which is not normally anything you have to do. You don't have to keep them connected. Right. So that could change a lot about the way that the game is played. Because you really only start with two trains then. So instead of being able to say, oh, I'm going to start on all three of my tickets at the same time. I'm going to put a train on each of those destinations. Now suddenly you're a little bit more restricted in where you can go. So you might have to start on one of them. And then try to connect them both in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It makes the destination ticket selection process uh, much more important to make sure that if you're taking more than two routes at the same time at the start, you really want them to be as close together or at least as close to a connection as possible. I, I So I called it the Catan Longest Road Rule. But I also call it ultra hard mode because it's yeah. just like such a nightmare to have to keep everything connected. There's... Because the other thing to think about is, now it does, you can't just build a route when you get enough cards. No, you, you have to build to that route first. Yeah, you have to. Now you're collecting cards for a specific track for every track you build. You can't just collect cards and then say, "Well, I'm gonna need this route eventually. Let me just build it now, even though I'm not even close to it yet." Yeah, and then also it makes you want to consider connecting your trains or not. Because if you do connect the two trains that you start with, suddenly you only have two places that you can build instead of four. No, because you can still build out from that, right? So the two, you know, if you connect and it's this big long snake, you don't just have to build off the end. You can still build it from cities in the center. Oh, so you can still 
connect. You can still branch. Okay, you can still branch. But it has to be like. connected. I, I was just thinking, uh, maybe Catan Longest Road Rules is actually misleading. Because that's what I got from Make that. it like actual railroad type rules. Like CN, Can uh, Canadian National Railroad, um, might have you know a cup like it's eastern route and it's western route but you know that there's a connection through the middle it doesn't make sense for one company to start building in two different or three different spots right to me that doesn't make sense the the way our trains work at least in north america is as a way to ship primarily freight from essentially one area to another so that's just kind of where i got the idea okay what were one of the ones you got? So the one that I came up was a dice roll. So you would add a dice to this game, which it doesn't come with, but I'm sure you have one lying around. So, well, the original idea you had was a D20, which yeah, which they might not have. So a twenty-sided. Okay, take out your one of one of your twenty-sided dice. Yes, which you must have somewhere in your house. I'm your sure favorite one. Take yeah. that out. You must have seven or eight. Seven or um, <laughs> I'm the I'm I'm the uh, the exception where I have like what fifty. Yeah. So take out your d twenty, and at the start of every player's turn, they roll it. So on a roll of one or two, that player chooses t up to two of their cards. So, no, I would say just sorry. make it two. Yeah. So the player chooses two or one if they only have one. Fair of their cards and they put that in a face up lost pile so these are cards that just leave your hand whenever you roll a one or two almost like a free parking yeah so a little bit like the free parking rule yes and then how you land on this free parking rule is if you roll a 19 or a 20 in that case you pick up any two of the lost cards and you get to choose yeah you get to choose from the whole pile see that's cool up to two uh, if there was only one card in there you'd only pick one yeah that's cool I like that rule which won't change it too much but it could change the card economy if it happens at a opportune moment yeah exactly or if it happens early on in the game or late on when it's like okay I've only got one track to place and then you roll one and it's like well I have to throw my cards away yep and now I don't have enough to play my last train and of course, uh, you could replace this with a D6, which is, if you happen not to have a D20, you probably have a D6 in one of your board games. Exactly. And then just use the one for the, for the losing a card and the six for picking up a card. I can't even tell you how many D6 I have. Six? Yeah. That's wow. it. I only <laughs> have six. Yeah. Good guess, though. Uh, yeah, and, and you could do, like... 1d6 where a 1 is toss 1 and 6 is get 1 but that's going to happen a lot so you could make it 2d6 and make it okay on a roll of a 2 you lose 1 or lose 2 cards and a roll of a 12 you gain the 2 cards you could make it anything you want based on uh, how often you want that to happen right and actually you could I would even say make it a 50/50. sorry actually rolling a 2 is actually less common with than rolling a 1 on a d20, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's a 1 and a 2. Yes, but even just roll... I'm just... I wasn't referring specifically to this, but I think rolling... I can't remember how it works, but I think rolling two 1s on two d6s 
is um, statistically harder to do than rolling a single well, what, one on a D20. That's 1 in 36? That's what it is. And D20 is 1, one in 20. 20. Yeah. So you can make it a, you know, 2 and a 3, or a 2 and a 3, or a 11 and a 12. Right? Whatever you want. It's just, uh, we don't need to get into the... <laughs> or 50-50. Roll low, lose two cards. Roll high, gain two cards. There you go. <laughs> like, you can make it however you want. You could also say, okay, well, you roll any number you get, nothing happens unless you roll double sixes, and then you just get a second action. Wow, yeah. I just came up with that. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, could just ruin everything. Or you roll double twos, uh, du uh, double ones, sorry, and now you lose your action. Well, there, you just lost the game. Uh, I also had a couple other ones, which was just messing a little bit with how you draw the cards. So you could make it, so there's no face down draw pile. You only get those five face up cards to choose from. They'll still get replenished as normal, but the pile from which they get replenished, you never get to draw from. I think it's still keep the game going, still keep all the other rules. It, it, you only get to draw one locomotive. That would make them a little bit more valuable and harder to come by. But you also refresh it when three locomotives show up. Yep. But then the other rule I thought of was, wait, take away those five face-up cards, and you only can draw from the face-down pile. This might slow the game down a bit more. Yeah, I think I like the first rule a little bit better. I like the... You're drawing from the five. Yeah. Because that way, some players might be forced to draw colors they don't want in an effort to get the colors that they do want. But yeah, exactly. But those may still be helpful to them, and they get a little bit of agency over what happens. They get to choose at least what the colors are that they're getting, and so even if uh, they're forced to take cards that they don't need, they can take at least, you know, multiples of that one color so that they can at least build themselves up for something later. Yeah, and then with the draw two face-down cards, there's a little bit of... Uh, well, there's a lot more chance involved. It's just, it's and you have every draw much is less random. control over where you're going to be building trains and when. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the last one I had was uh, what we call. Oh, why don't you talk about the yeah? So which is ticket swap. the ticket swap? So this would be an action that you would take not very often. It would be probably once per game. You could take yeah. one of your tickets and swap it with the face down card on top of the destination ticket pile. So if you find one that, okay, this one is I'm not going to be able to get to. All my other trains are going in the other direction. This one just doesn't make sense. Let me just toss this. But you don't get to choose anything. You just take the no, top card. No, you just take card. the top one. Yeah. And then you're stuck with that. It's interesting because if you're in a situation where you feel it can't get worse, you have a shot against something better. And maybe it can get worse, and you just never thought and it could. And you didn't think it could, but it did. Because now you have three routes that uh, exceed your minimum <laughs> 45 train tokens, and now you can't win. Um, or maybe it just won you the game and you got 10 extra points. Exactly. That could be it, too. That's really all we have for Ticket to Ride. Feel free to come up with your own customized game rules and share those with the community. Yeah, put them on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash cardboard. I'm sure that's probably already taken. <laughs> that's not our that's not our URL. Do, does even does anyone even use Facebook on a web browser if they're under forty? I'm sure some people do. I maybe. I'm sorry for everyone under forty that I just insulted. But yeah, please check out our Facebook group. And actually, to be fair, things like groups and whatnot, 
are still not so manageable on devices. I don't know what some... Not as easily. Exactly. I don't know what some developers are doing. No offense to anyone from Facebook listening, but, like, sometimes they just... Or real offense. Do your job better. Yeah, you know what? You work for <laughs> Facebook. Like, it's valued in billions. So, you know what? Yeah, do your job better. They're paying you exorbitant <laughs> amounts of money. They're probably um, not. They're not. <laughs> yeah, all those billions are spread out evenly across all the employees. <laughs> no, if uh, if you are part of our Facebook group, yeah, it might actually be a lot easier if you're on an actual web browser. I know for me it is. But yeah, share some of your strategies, some of your experiences. Love to hear your stories. Yeah, I might. When you tasted that sweet sweet train victory yeah share some of your you know first time experiences with us too tell us how it goes tell us if we helped i certainly hope we did i completely expect we didn't and uh in fact we were probably more of a hindrance than anything you probably tried to do some of the stuff we said which may only work when we're playing with each other because we play <laughs> very specifically who knows uh one more game t game tip Know your audience. And know who you're playing with. That's a good one. Yeah. Know your enemy. That is a saying for a reason. If you know your enemy, <laughs> that's how you beat your enemy. Uh, and then become your enemy. And then someone has to come and defeat you and become you. It's a long cycle of just enemies taking over each Hopefully other. Hopefully one day you can be yourself. No, they'll be defeated and killed. Yeah. <laughs> We've only played this game once. Because the loser of every game... Dies. Dies. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Dies. End podcast. Uh, yeah, no, because we did, still didn't get that. Yeah, follow me on uh, Twitter, Sweep117. Instagram, Sweep117. Follow us on the Facebook. Join the Facebook group. Be nice on the Facebook group. I will not hesitate to kick you off the Facebook group if you are not nice. Also, um, follow me on things. I yes, don't know what things, but follow me on them. There you go. Follow Devon on all the things. And follow me on all the things. And then we're all, we'll all be a happy family of followers. But don't expect me to follow all of you back. I'm assuming we're super popular by now. This is episode two. Yeah, I yeah. mean, fame comes in what five minutes? Uh, that's the that's the rule. So, all you thousands and millions of fans, I'm not gonna follow all of you, except for you, Gerald. Yep. I will officially follow anyone named Gerald. All right, everyone. See you at Cardboard Con. <laughs> Cardboard Con. <laughs> And then uh, two weeks later, we're going to be at Gerald Con. This episode has been brought to you by Gerald. Uh, no, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's it for us. Again, we are terrible at outros because we don't know when to stop. <laughs> so, I know when to stop. I just, you know, go past that. Choose not to. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think that's more accurate. We both know when to stop. We just don't. We don't. Yeah. Stupid Gerald. All right, Wait, guys. I thought you'd like Gerald. I do, but he's stupid. I think I like you. I'm not stupid. Bye.